Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We are so grateful you have come to join us. We would love to invite you to one of our in-person services. To find out times, locations, and more about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. About that today. So my scripture today is in Matthew 16, and we'll get to that in a second. Can I grab a bottle of water? Is that okay? Just up here. Sorry, diva. Thank you. If you don't know, Australian humor is to make fun of ourselves. So if I'm, yeah, making fun of myself. All right. So life is hard. Life has been hard. I don't know exactly your situation in this room. I don't know every single detail of your life. I, but I know that life in Canada is hard. Yes, we're a Western civilization. Yes, we have a lot of great things here, but it has been hard. These last few years, these last five years, the pandemic, everything. I mean, I know in Toronto especially has been significantly hard. There has been some really special moments in this church actually where we were locked down for 86 weeks. We couldn't do church on Sundays. And we snuck out of Toronto at one point and came to Calgary and got to come into your church service and it was life-giving for us. But it's been hard in Canada. It's been hard these last few years. And so I don't know where you are at, but I tell you what, I bet you're facing something. I bet there's something in your life that you're like, this is really hard. (laughs) Why do I need to be facing this? It could be a relationship issue. It could be a health crisis that you're hitting. It could be a financial one. Inflation is like up there at the moment. Interest rates, we hear story after story in our church of people that are like, I've got maybe a couple months left until I'm I'm out. I, I can't keep affording this life. I can't keep affording the price of groceries. I can't keep affording all of this. And there's this craziness that life is right now. And yet God wants us to have a fulfilled life. And he says that he wants us to have our best life. And so then there's like, there's this dichotomy inside of us because we're like, well, God, you want the best thing for me, but this is really hard and this is difficult. But maybe when then, so we, we try and, uh, try and create that best life because we believe it's from God, which it is. He has an incredible life planned out for you. But we try and start to do it in our own strength because we're not seeing the breakthrough in front of us. And so we start to work harder and do more. Or maybe we start to put more boundaries around our life. Boundaries are good. But I tell you what, it's an excuse that I hear a lot in our world at the moment when it doesn't necessarily need to be an excuse. Okay? Boundaries are good. Maybe we try to go on more vacations. Maybe if I just go on one more vacation... I'll get that peace, that inner peace, that that joy back that I want so bad that I know God wants for me, but how can I get it? Or maybe it's uh, even stepping back at work, or maybe it's stepping back your serving commitments at church. I'm from the outside, so I can say this. Maybe your people in here can't say that. But let me tell you what, stepping off team is not going to give you the joy and the life that you want in your life. It's not. Stepping away from connect group or stepping away from community, it doesn't actually ever bring what God actually has destined for us in our world. So Matthew 16, verse 24. I'm gonna hit a bunch of the chapter, but I'm gonna mainly focus on this part. Matthew 16, 24 to 25, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. It doesn't sound like what we're told 
in culture around us today. It doesn't sound like what we're told socially today. We don't get told, deny yourself and you'll find life. That's not what we're told. Deny yourself, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. God's best life for us is a dead, abandoned, given up life. This is good news. It might not seem like it yet, but His best life for us is completely dead to self, completely abandoned, completely denying of whatever we selfishly want. And He actually brings life with that. Now this, so the first point is those who lose their life, find it. If you're looking for your life here, you'll find it by losing it. Now there's something very, very special about this building. You get to be in this beautiful worship space. My goodness, in Toronto, we still don't have a permanent location. So we are renting venues. We are renting currently from one school that has no air conditioning. And I swear it's like 100 degrees in our services on a Sunday morning. It is brutal. It's so bad that we give out freezies to people in the service. So we're like sitting in the service like this and our hosts will come out and hand freezies. So we're preaching and people are sitting there in their seats like, just like sucking up reasons because we're like, whatever we can do to try and cool people down so that they will want to be in church. And so you have this beautiful building, but I tell you what, this building hasn't always been here. It hasn't. And it didn't just appear one day. For me, this building is significant because this is something that I helped build. I was a part of this. And there's so many other amazing people in this room that I know were significant parts of this. Joe and Gord down the front, my goodness just battling for this building to happen. So there was a time where Pastor Lorne and Kelly had a vision to have this permanent location out here. And we thought he was crazy. It was an RV place. And we're like, but you know what? You're crazy, but we love you and we think it's God. So we're going to follow it. And it was so many battles. And you may have heard some of the stories, but for me, we didn't have a lot of money. We were just young kids on young pastor's salaries, just trying our best to make ends meet. But we felt called to do whatever we could to make this place a home for people. And we even knew that it wasn't for us. At this point, when we were like, when this building was starting to be built, we knew we were going to Toronto. It was already a thing. We knew that that was the path that we were heading towards. And yet we said, you know what? While we are here, whatever it takes, this building is going to happen. And I remember in the winter time, I don't actually remember which year it was. I'd have to look back in my calendars. But I can close my eyes and I can like visually go exactly back there, probably around this part of the stage, I think it was, on the ground. It was all concrete in here, just concrete throughout. There was the windows on the side and nothing else, and just like beams, and it was dangerous. And I remember um, a couple of people were like, maybe we shouldn't like go there and take the staff there. And we're like, ah, it'll be fine. We don't have hard hats. It'll be fine. And we went out there as a staff, and I think it was, I think we were in a time of prayer and fasting. And so we were out there every day for a good season. And we're standing there in the freezing cold, because it was the middle of winter, with our winter jackets on, just praying and pacing and believing for God to move in this building, for something to happen, for God to just have a place that we could sanctify as His building, that His presence could dwell in. And I remember, I think it's even on this wall, maybe someone might need to correct me, but we all wrote our names and like scripture verses and prayers prayers 
So my name is in this building. And there are hundreds of names that are in this building that fought for this place to exist. And I tell you what, that wasn't easy. That wasn't an easy thing to do. It was not what you would say would be the fun, easy, happy-go-lucky life that we're called to live. But I tell you what, it had fulfillment. Because when I walk through these doors right now, I see God has worked a miracle. And you know what else in that season actually? Is that we weren't just battling to have this building happen. There was a battle that was going on inside of myself and Pastor Sam. We were battling to have children at the time and we couldn't conceive. And I remember, and God has shown me, he's like, you were battling something personally, but you were also battling something corporately. And I remember actually in a moment him thanking me for battling something corporately when I could have been really selfish to just battle what I was personally battling. And what you're battling right now would be so hard. When we were trying to conceive, it was the hardest, well, one of the hardest things we've ever faced. And what you're battling right now might feel like one of the hardest things you've ever faced. But I tell you what, if you can get into a corporate battle... (laughs) If you can join arm and arm with other people and pray for others as well, there's a release that happens. And I remember this beautiful kiss from heaven when we're here and I was focused on the building. Yes, people walking through those doors and I was envisioning it and like, this is going to be amazing and envisioning this stage and people worshipping and people at the front meeting Jesus and experiencing Jesus. And then all of a sudden, God showed me a picture of of two children And they were in the lobby and he showed me a picture of me holding one and one running towards me. And it was this beautiful kiss from heaven of thank you for battling and fighting the way I want you to fight. And I want you to know that there's blessing coming for you as well. And there was an element where it was locked up in the building. And about three years ago, that vision came to pass. I was standing in the lobby with one of my children on my hip and my other child was running towards me and I just started weeping. I was like, God, you are so, so good. In that moment of being here, freezing cold, praying for this building, it felt like a battle and it felt like something that was never gonna come to pass. And it felt like a hard, abandoned life But by laying it down in that moment, I have seen so much fruit and fulfillment from it. So I don't know what you're facing right now, but let me tell you, as hard as it is, there is fulfillment coming if we can just keep losing our life, if we can just keep losing it. And I'll encourage you with this. Either way, we actually lose our life. Either way, we lose. We lose either way. We actually have no way of gaining our life on our own. Either way, we lose. We either lose our life to just time happening or we lose our life to the enemy trying to come in or we can lose our life by our own choice for God in order for for fulfillment to come. The devil comes to steal our life and we'll lose it that way or we can choose to lose it for God instead. So what happens though is that we're in this moment and we're battling and we're fighting and we're we're like, okay, okay, I'm going to lose my life for God. I'm going to lose my life for God. But what happens is we try to take life into our own hands. Has anyone ever done this? Okay, I know I have. We try to like, okay, that's really cool, God. But then we kind of like try to like 
take it into our own hands. So Eve is the perfect example of this in Genesis. I mean, we've heard this story a thousand times, but God tells her a promise and then the enemy tries to kind of get into her mind. And then what does she do? She takes the fruit. She takes it herself. She tries to take something into her own hands, which is interesting because it's something that she already would have had access to in relationship with Jesus. But by taking it into her own hands, it actually disconnected her from Christ. And what's interesting, actually, is you're going through this um, chapter in Matthew, in Matthew 16. Earlier on, Jesus is actually predicting his own death, and he's telling the disciples what's going to happen. You know, I'm going to die, but I'm going to go into a tomb, but don't worry, I'm going to rise again. It's going to be, that's what's going to happen, and it's going to be great. And then Peter, you see this in uh, verse 22, 16, 22, it says, I love this, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. He took him aside. Peter took Jesus aside and rebuked him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. He was rebuking him in a way that he thought he was actually being really kind and really encouraging and doing the right thing. And then we know the, the verse afterwards where Jesus turns to him and says, get behind me, Satan. But how much do we try to do this and take life into our own hands? And how much have we tried to tell God what's actually going to happen? I know that I do, I do this a lot. I'm like, yeah, okay, God, cool. So you want to do it that way? You want us to like plan a church? Okay, um, how about we don't? And how about we just stay in ministry in C3 Calgary? And God's like, okay, well, maybe not. That's not the path that I have for you. But we try to take things into our own hands and we try to even tell Jesus and try to rebuke him. Maybe he's said something to you in your world and you're like, nah, God, that's not you. That's not the way it would be. That's not the way it would be. Oh, maybe, maybe you shouldn't be dating this person. No, that's not Jesus. You don't know Jesus. Maybe I can change them and they can fall in love with you. Or maybe you, you've seen this promise of your fulfilled life and then you're like, you know what? I think I'm going to work harder and I'm going to uh, work extra hours and I'm going to buy that house. And then Jesus is like, that's not the way I want you to do it. And you're like, you don't know Jesus. You don't know how hard it is to buy a house in this city. You don't know how hard things have gotten. I'm pretty sure this is the way that it has to get done. We all do it. I'm not just telling you off, I'm telling myself off as well. I do exactly the same thing. So what is in your control currently that Jesus wants in his control? What's in control in your world that he wants in his control? Your time, the three main things that you can look at is your time, your treasure, and your talent. Where does your time go? We say this often. We can see what you worship and, and what, what we're spending our life around if all I did was open up your calendar. I do it to myself often. I look up at my calendar and I go, what am I worshiping? And just get a quick little adjustment. Or maybe it's your talent. What are you doing with your skill sets? Are they used for the kingdom? Or are they used for other things? And then maybe it's your treasure. As simple as opening up our bank accounts and looking it's very, it's very confronting. But you know what? Let's just do what we can so that Jesus isn't taking us aside and saying, get behind me, Satan, when we try to tell him that we're going to do it 
our way. So then in Matthew 16, 27, this is like the kicker at the end of this chapter, the very, very end of the chapter. It's full on. He says, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. He's going to come and reward us according to what we have done. I know we, we, we preach like works-based Christianity is bad. And I tell you what, it is bad. But there's an element where we're actually going to be judged or rewarded based on what we've done. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I'm like, heck, that is full on. What am I doing then? What am I doing and so we need to read what this verse uh, means then in context of the whole chapter because we don't want to take just this verse and go, okay, if it's saying that we're going to be rewarded based on what we're doing, then let's go do more. That is not at all what I'm saying right here. If you leave today and you're like, okay, preacher said that I need to go and do more, that's not what I'm trying to say. Let's read this chapter in full like context. So it starts in, uh, in verse 1 and 16. It says, the Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign. So the whole chapter starts with the religious people testing Jesus. Hey, Jesus, if you're really Jesus, show me a sign. If you're really who you say you are, do this or do that, putting our expectations on him. And then you keep going down in context. And then it says uh, in verse 4, A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. And then Jesus left them and went away. And what the sign of Jonah is, it was kind of like a precursor to what Jesus would do, where he would go into the tomb for three days, like Jonah went into the whale for three days, resurrected, and then preached the good news. And So it's kind of like basically Jesus is saying, I'm not going to give you any sign other than the sign that I'm going to die on the cross, I'm going to be resurrected, and that's all that you need. That's it. What other sign do we need? We need no other sign to lay our lives down for him. We need no other sign except that he died on a cross for every single one of us. He went down into a tomb and was raised from the dead. There is no other religion that serves a God, a Jesus, a prophet that is alive, that is like relevant and alive. They're, they've all passed away and then they, they look on their life that had been in awe. But we get to look on a life that still is in awe. God is still in heaven. The Holy Spirit is still here in this room, in this place. And Jesus did all this for us. But that's the only sign is what he's saying that matters. So they were looking for signs. They were looking for a way to make giving up their life easy. They were looking for a way to make it easy. Let me tell you, it is never, ever, ever clear when we step out in Jesus. Never, ever, 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 ever. Now, I have so many times been like, great, I would do that, Lord. Can you just make this, 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 this happen and make it all really clear? So when I step out, I'm like, I know I'm doing the will of God. Or I'll hesitate because I'm like, well, maybe it's, maybe it's what he wants for me, but maybe it's not. But maybe it is. But you know what? Maybe it would be a lot clearer if it was from him. And they're like, 
I just knew without a shadow of a doubt that this is what I was supposed to do. Let me tell you, it's a whole lot of poop. Nobody knows without a shadow of a doubt and is 100% clear that that is what God has called them to do. It's called faith. And every single one of us possess the faith that is needed to do what God wants for us. Every single one of you in this room has the faith that it takes. We don't need to look at people that look like they have it together and look like it's so clear for them and disqualify ourselves because I have done that and it is not great. You have what it takes. You need a mustard seed of faith and you have that. You have that in this room and that is all that is needed. And we step out when it's not clear. We step into that serving position We do that thing that pastor asked us to do that we're like, I don't think I have what it takes to do this. I don't think that I'm the right person for this. I don't think that I have the skill sets. I'm pretty sure Sarana is better at like what you're asking me to do. I'm pretty sure that Joe is better at doing this this thing that you're asking me to do. Don't ask me to do it. But I'll tell you what, you have what it takes. You do. You have Jesus, you have that mustard seed of faith, and it is all you need. And if you are doubting, don't worry. Step out anyway. Step out anyway. Don't wait till all the signs are clear. Step out anyway. And then you go down further. So the Pharisees are the ones that are wanting to find a sign, and they're like struggling to trust Jesus. And then further down when I talked about Peter, Peter was trying to control Jesus. He was trying to do it in his own strength and do it a different way. So when you look at this verse then in uh, verse 27, it says we'll be rewarded based on what we've done. When you look through the whole chapter, and you can read it on your own at home as well, the general gist when you read through the whole chapter of what we're going to be rewarded on is whether we trust him or not. We won't be rewarded on what we have done in regards to, you know, actual physicality things, but we will be rewarded on whether we've trusted him or not. And it's the scariest thing to do. I know. I find it one of the hardest things to do is to trust God. Planning a church in the city of Toronto, I mean, you Albertans know this place is God's country. That place, somebody else is running that city. And it is no fun planning a church there. We are in some serious, please pray for us because um, it, like for the first year of our uh, church plan, we went through 13 different venues. We have had um, probably about 10 different um, actual religious discrimination situations where we've been advised by lawyers to take them to court and we felt like it wasn't right to do. We have somebody even at the moment who is advising us to take something to the Canadian constitutional level of religious discrimination. And we just don't feel the grace of God to do that. And so we're not, but I'm telling you, (laughs) planning a church in that city takes trust. But living your life for Christ in Calgary also takes so much trust. So much trust. But you've got what it takes. So let's not keep looking for signs and not step out until we find all the right signs. Let's stop doing it in our own strength. Let's just trust Him. Trust Him and step out again. In Proverbs 3.5 it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. It's an encouraging word. If your paths don't feel straight, if they feel wavy and crazy, the answer is trust and submitting to him. Everything in the Bible is so upside down from the way that we're taught in culture that we have to be like reading the word daily just to like counteract the cultural uh, education that we are getting without even realizing it. Everything in this Bible is death before life. Every single thing in this Bible is death before life, but everything out there is life before death. And I tell you what, death before life is a much better way to be living than life that leads to death. I'd rather die to self and God will find it. Jeremiah 17, 7 uh, to verse 8 says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. There will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. From what we're hearing with everyone that we speak to, it's really hard to have confidence and trust right now. Not many people that I speak to right now feel like a tree planted by a river that gives them life. They feel like their fruit is a little wilted perhaps, maybe falling before its time. It's hard right now. It is. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord and whose confidence is in Him. As I go back to His presence every single day, I'm reminded that I am this tree. And I'm reminded of all of the good, amazing things He has done in my life. I'm reminded of all of the terrible things that have tried to come at me. But they haven't succeeded. And as you step into his presence and you become like this tree, it doesn't mean that all the bad stuff goes away. It just means that you have your roots so sure and so secure and so deep in him that you feel his complete presence and you know it's going to be okay and you know that he's got you. And at the end of the day, death means life anyway. So the worst that can happen is actually the best thing that can happen to us. Just living as dead people walking experiencing his presence. I hope that encourages you. <laughs> so you may be feeling anxiety or worry maybe right now or stress or uncertainty, not sure kind of what's next for your life or, or maybe you feel like God's given you a picture and you're just like, oh, it's just not quite clear, God, or it's too scary or I don't want to step out in it. Can I encourage you that you are in a great group of people here you are in a people that will encourage you, that will be with you. Yeah, the band can come up. That will step it out with you. That will hold your hand. They will say, yeah, it's true. You don't have what it takes, but you do have what it takes with Christ walking with you and encouraged. This church is a incredible community of that. You are not alone if you are in this community. And so what I do want to do is the band's just going to play. I'm just going to ask everybody to stand up right now give you a second to, you know, put everything down. And I believe that there's a very sweet presence of God in this room. I can feel it right now. 
And I believe that He's going to come into this space and He's going to minister over every single person in the room. He knows exactly what you're facing. He knows exactly what you're battling. He knows your fears. He knows your worries. He knows your anxieties. He knows the joy in everything as well. But I tell you what, where He really wants to be is in those fears and those worries and those anxieties. He wants to come in and He wants to bring peace and He wants to bring stability and His comfort. You won't find comfort in people. You won't find comfort in things, but you can find comfort in Jesus. And He wants to instill hope and joy and vision. There's people in this room right now that even as I'm talking, you're like, I don't even know what the next step is. I have no vision left. I have laid my life down so many times, but I'm done. I don't know if I have anything left. I don't even know what's next. I am exhausted. I believe God is filling those people up right now with fresh vision. You are not done yet. This battle for this building was significant, but it's not done. There's a battle to bring people into this place. There's a battle for more locations. Will you be the person that steps up and steps out to make those things happen for Christ? Will you be it? You're dead anyway. Why do we try to find the life here? We're not going to find it. We will only find it when we die and then we live in Him. So just as we're standing here, maybe put your hands out in front of you. You know what you need and God knows exactly what you need. Lord, I just thank You so much for every single person in this room, Lord. I thank You that You are such a good Father that You know intimately every single person's situation, Lord. I thank You that You are able to minister exactly what one person needs that is completely different from the person next to them, that one person needs joy, but one needs vision. One needs comfort, but one needs to be excited and to be filled with joy and life again. And so, Lord, I thank You that You are ministering right now across this room to every single person that there is fresh vision coming in this place in people's lives. There are visions for families, for church plants, for businesses, for who to reach out to at the coffee shop. Lord, I thank You that You are giving visions right now to people in this space. Lord, I thank You that You are bringing courage to every single person that we know to walk out with You, that it is not easy, but I thank You that You give us courage, that we can be strong and courageous to battle what is in front of us because we have You hand in hand, side by side, fighting the battles for us and with us. Lord, I thank You for Your sweet, sweet presence in this room. Let us be reminded that we are not done and that You need us that we won't disqualify ourselves in this place, but they will, we will recognise that every single one of us here has a plan, a purpose, a mission that You want us to be on, Lord. Thank You for Your presence in this space, God. Do what only You can do, Lord. Thank You, God. Thank You, Lord. Well, as everybody's kind of having a moment with Jesus too, I do want to open up an opportunity for anyone that hasn't met Him before to come into relationship with Him. Or maybe you've been in relationship with Jesus before and you want to come back 
and make a decision. I'm going to walk with you, Lord, as Lord of my life. I'm going to have a full, proper relationship with you. I'm sorry that I've drifted. I want to come back. So everybody, just close your eyes, bow your heads in this space, and I just want to give this opportunity now. I never, ever want to let a service go by without giving people the opportunity to come into a relationship with their Heavenly Father, with Jesus Christ. So if that is you in this room right now, why don't you just raise your hand? Nobody is looking around. And I just want to pray a prayer with you after the service. If there is anyone, I'm not going to hold this open for too long. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, you can all look at me. I just want to encourage you that honestly, there is just something so special about this place. And there is something so special about your pastors. And there is something so special about your team, the worship team. Don't ever take it for granted as someone from the outside. Don't ever take this for granted. And I tell you what, I am so excited to see what happens moving forward. We've had the privilege of being able to meet with a few people and the vision is strong. It is exciting where we are going. We're Calgary is going, where Central is going, where we're going is a movement across Canada. We've just been in Vernon and hanging out with the guys there. And I tell you what, get ready. Canada is like about to shift into a new gear and we are very excited to be a part of it. But I want you to be a part of it as well. And I unfortunately can't make people, I can't twist your arm, I can't make you do something. But you can, you can step out. And there's people that need your voice and your arm in arm and your prayers and your encouragement. So hopefully that is encouraging to you. I'm gonna invite Sarana back up, but thank you so much for having me. I love you all so dearly and I love your pastors dearly. And I am believing that this next season is gonna be amazing. So good. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, subscribe to our podcast and find us on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you would like to give to our church, go to myc3church.ca. See you next week.